Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ford, joined by the amazing Julia Delgo. Julia, how's it going? I'm going good. Thanks. Well, this is uh, if this is your first episode, I apologize, but we're going to try to do what we do every week, and that is change the complexion of the comic book universe one draft pick at a time. But first, news, nerd news. Uh, the biggest nerd news of the week has got to be the formal announcement, the confirmation that Daredevil is indeed returning with his own series in the works at Disney Plus uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I don't know how otherwise to say it, but uh, our guy is back. Do you have any strong thoughts about that, Julia? Um, I'm excited. I feel like this was inevitable, um, especially after Charlie Cox appeared in No Way Home. So, yeah, I figured he'd be coming back in some form, probably a series. And I think he's going to be making some appearances in some other shows as well before his own show starts. So that'll be cool, too. So he'll be introduced to the MCU officially, and then he'll have his own show. So we will see what happens with that. Now, I mean, I have heard some of those same rumors. Um, do you think that he will be, um, you know, one of the rumors is She-Hulk, which, you know, uh, more on that later. But uh, do you think he will be more, it will be more of a Matt Murdock uh, and not a Daredevil appearance in that respect? I guess in that one, I'm thinking the one where he's going to go full Daredevil as Echo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, and we, I don't think we know exactly when that's due to um, premiere. Next but we year. We do have a little bit of news about Echo that we'll get into a little bit later as well. But, uh, you know, I guess I should say a little bit more about this series because they do, because we do know the writers, uh, Matt Corman and Chris Ord. Um, I guess they'll be the co-writer, uh, co-head writers, co-showrunners um, for the series. Um, I don't know a lot of their, a lot of what they've worked on. Uh, Covert Affairs, I have never watched. Uh, what about you? Um, sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, I said, uh, so C Corman and Ord, uh, they created the series Covert Affairs, um, oh. and but I've never watched it. I don't know if you... I haven't heard that show. What did you say about the show? I'm sorry. I haven't heard of it. Oh, okay. It was on the USA uh, Network. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard of it. I just don't know a lot about it. I mean, it was very, you know, it's a spy series. So, I mean, I, I imagine they know how to do a little bit of action, a little bit of intrigue. Um, I don't know, uh, like I said, having not seen the show, I don't know what the hallmarks of the show were in terms of, you know, whether it was in keeping with earlier seasons of Daredevil, but uh, I guess we'll find out, you know, I mean, they, they've had a lot of time to gestate the series and figure out exactly what they want to bring to the table in terms of their vision of, of Daredevil and the MCU. Um, and I guess that brings you know, a kind of bigger question. It's has, it has not been officially confirmed. You know, I mean, there's, there was a lot of kind of murky language about what it means. I think the term was new and continuing, uh, which, you know, seems a little bit of conflicted. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the idea uh, like of whether the 
Daredevil and or Matt Murdock and or continuity of the Netflix series will somehow be picked up on um, in this MCU version. Uh, do you have, I mean, sorry, in this Marvel Studios version rather, um, do you have a preference? I would like it to continue from the series and so like, at least I want them to say it's not canon. I would like them to, I, I would, I guess it's what they'll probably do as a soft reboot. They're not going to reference what happened a lot, but they won't make it not canon. Like they'll make it fit with that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess there were so many things that happened over the three year run of Daredevil that made it feel like um, a lot of progress was made, um, you know, in terms of like, not, it wasn't just, just his origin, you know, it was, you know, he, he fought uh, Kingpin. He has his first uh, introduction to Elektra as a villain. He meets the hand, he meets the punch. I mean, there are so many things that sort of happened um, over the course of that series that I'd love to see Marvel, you know, Kevin Feige, and you know, sort of their take on these events, and I would hate for them to be completely beholden to the things that happened under Jeff Loeb's watch, particularly with respect to um, you know some of the things that we heard a little bit later, more recently, about kind of how uh, Asian characters were a lot were very marginalized. Right. You know, in particular, a lot of people were underwhelmed by the hand. And, you know, the hand plays such a major role in Daredevil mythos that it would be great to get another shot at, at the hand without having to respect the continuity of what came before, you know? Yeah, I guess I wouldn't mind that either. At this point, all I can think about is people bitching online. And that's been like the story with <laughs> people playing lately. And it's just been frustrating me a lot. So whatever is going to cause less complaining, I'm guessing. <laughs> Um, and I, I feel like that's keeping the continuity, but I don't know. I think you should know that there's no option that will lead to no complaining. Um, Not no complaining, I know that, but like less complaining, I will settle for. Yeah, they'll be complaining regardless. And it's it'll be surprising because some of the same people who would complain about one outcome will also complain about the other outcome, um, yeah. you know. But yeah. like I said, I mean, without knowing 100%, I, I am more in favor of the soft reboot where they can say that certain things happened without confirming that everything happened. And that makes what do you say? That makes sense. You know, um, and then that way they don't have to answer these thorny questions about like, well, where were you when Thanos and where were you during the blip? And, you know, like, how does this match up with this, you know? Like, you know, you can just kind of say, yeah, it's, it's, it's murky. It's murky. Some things happened, some things didn't happen. You'll find out. Um, another big thing for me, and this is just kind of a me preference thing, um, because of how gritty and grounded, you know, those buzzwords, <laughs> the, the Netflix series were, I felt like they kind of nerfed Daredevil a little bit, you know? Um, almost to the point where you're not even sure that he has superpowers. Um, and, you know, the MCU likes their superpowers. And I definitely would like an interpretation of Daredevil that makes it clear that he's, you know, a superhero, as opposed to just a guy who trained really hard. 
Right. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the extent of the daredevil news. It's, it's big news for, you know, those of, you know, I, I know a few people who are part of the save daredevil movement. And uh, I'm sure they're really happy to hear uh, that they in fact uh, managed to save daredevil. Um, so shout out to them. Um, we are also joined by uh, Carlos. Carlos. That's me. Do you feel like you saved daredevil in any, in any respect? Do I feel like I saved Daredevil? Yes. Like you, um, you in particular. I mean, yes, clearly. No, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think, um, I don't think, I think this was always the, the plan was to bring them in eventually. Personally. Yes, I do think it was the plan to bring them in eventually. I don't know if it was always a plan to bring back these characters played by the same actors with um at least some recognition of of what would have happened in uh in pre in the previous incarnation that's probably true that's probably true but i i do think that there were that that is a respect i guess where i, I could say that we the internet saved the sum of what was good about the netflix series because you know, when you're going to cast Kingpin, whoever is not Vincent D'Onofrio that you get to play Kingpin, we're all going to be like, yeah, but did you see Vincent D'Onofrio play Kingpin? Right. <laughs> yeah. But even those of us, you know, I mean, we talked about it when we talked about Hawkeye, uh, the the way that D'Onofrio, um, I won't say the way he played Kingpin, but the way that the show portrayed Kingpin was seemed like enough of a departure from yeah. how he was portrayed on the Netflix series for them to say, oh, no, no, it's this Kingpin, but this isn't like the same guy from, from Netflix. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's the same uh, actors in a, in a different, with a different prism. Exactly. So, uh, but it still remains to be seen. I, I did ask Julia the same question, but I'll ask it to you. If you had a preference in terms of whether they would just outright continue uh, what happened on Netflix uh, versus whether they would start fresh or versus whether they do some kind of soft reboot, um, what are your, like, what would you, what would you prefer to be the way that they would tackle what happened on Netflix? If I had to choose between a full-on start from scratch with the same general cast um, or continue what was at Netflix, I would prefer to start from scratch. I think that when the Netflix series got invested in dragon fossils and mm -hmm. bringing back ninjas from the dead, it got real muddy across the board. I think mm -hmm. like that's the weakest stuff in Daredevil is when they're the Electra resurrection stuff. I yeah. just think it wasn't handled very well. And I right. think that if you start from scratch, now you can tie it into the Shang-Chi um, you know, universe and mythology. And and now we've seen like, you know, afterlives are a thing that can be, you know, come back from, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you, you can return from the field of reeds or whatever so now 
tell that story now with that, you know, if you want to tell that story now with this mythology tied into it, it, it feels a little better than what they did at Netflix, which was like, you know, they were trying their best and it was clearly like not as much of a budget as Marvel was giving mm-hmm. the movies. Um, but it, it just, that, that, all of that never really sat well with me. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I had mentioned, well, sorry, I'll say two things. The first is that I also give the option of like the soft reboot where, you know, it's, it's, it's similar actors, similar cast members, but, you know, they can pick and choose what they want to have count, what they, you know, don't want to have count. Um, And then they can, like you said, they can revisit certain things. Um, The other thing for me personally, is that, like you said, the budgets were lower. It was a ground, you know, the aesthetic was, was much different from the aesthetic that we get in, 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 uh, you know, Marvel Studios um, style, whatever we want to call it, the the infamous color palette, <laughs> if you will. Um, and and but you know the downside of that is that it it had the effect, in my opinion, of making Daredevil seem a little bit too weak. Um, mm. You know, in terms of how his powers worked, in terms of how his fighting worked. You know, he, you know, he see it was, it was very gritty. It was very down to earth, but you know, when we see these other characters that also don't have, well, sorry, first of all, Daredevil does have superpowers and I don't think that they did a good job of portraying his superpowers because again, budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you say, well, he didn't have like super strength or super agility or anything like that. I think that when you compare him to someone like Black Widow or well cap obviously a super soldier but you know like certain i just think that the way that the fight scenes were depicted in uh, marvel studios when you had like powered characters and non-powered characters or characters with tech and and those kinds of things i just think that their powers more glossy and the way that you know the way that they were portrayed was was uh of a higher end and i think that what i would definitely want is for Daredevil to be positioned as as sort of a top tier fighter, and not just kind of like yeah, it's a guy. He's just wearing a little band, bandana on his head, and he's just you know, he's he's gritty. He's he's, he's a tough guy. I feel yeah. like with the Netflix uh, Daredevil, we got a lot of telling us what his powers were because they there really wasn't a budget to show us mm-hmm. how he sees the world. It was just kind of like I can hear someone screaming six miles away, you know. <laughs> from a basement you know like or he puts his hand to a door and you know we're just supposed to know that he knows how many people are on the other side of the door things like that um but like across the netflix series like i feel like they you know it always felt more like budgetary concerns than plot concerns as to Mm -hmm. why like iron fist couldn't just iron fist all the time Mm -hmm. um things like that uh so which is kind of funny it's kind of funny though because we you know we talked a little bit um you know off offline um about like agents of shield for instance mm-hmm. which had which also had budgetary constraints but they managed to still portray superpowers because their aesthetic was was trying to kind of match the you know general MCU aesthetic at least part part of the way right um and and I think that that was to their benefit because it wouldn't be as hard, I think, to incorporate the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people into the MCU if you'd wanted to go that direction as the Netflix people. 
I will say what I what I'll miss um, if if they do this like they do all of their other projects, with the exception really of Hawkeye, is I'm gonna miss the New York of it. You mean That's, actually doing movies that are set in New York? In New York, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like like th- there was something very Law and Order about those shows where it's like every every actor on this series is great because they're all New York actors. You know, they get yeah, just, yeah. pull New York actors to play every bit role. Um, which if, you know, if we're doing the Atlanta thing where some shots are in New York, but for the most part, it's all green screens and whatever, uh, that'll be kind of a bummer, honestly, because the New York, that New York felt like New York in a way that, you know, I mean, it, it didn't, I mean, it was New York. Right. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. that's, that's very important. We're, you know, as, as a New Yorker, you know, actually seeing them like in the trailers, you know, I mean, at like, the locations. Yeah. yeah. Compare that to like the birthday party that Peter Parker goes to in, in Homecoming. Queens. Where the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah. Queens, it was, Georgia. Yeah. Very, that's a, there's a lot of Queens, Georgia happening <laughs> in the, uh, yeah, that's, a, that is a downside, but that, but I feel like, yeah, that's, it was just an era that, that we'll never have back. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe they do the Hawkeye thing and they shoot the whole thing in New York or, you know, externals in new york exteriors in new york um maybe i you know that'd be great I, the reason i think they won't is because like hell's Kitchen's not really a thing anymore true um Fair. you know so they if they're gonna like make up a hell's kitchen they could just make it up in georgia that's true uh julie do you have any thoughts oh do you have any thoughts yeah, about the um, New York of it all? This topic's been going on for a while. Fair enough. Well, we should transition. But I can think. Um, but yeah, I guess I agree. Um, <laughs> the other big Marvel news. <laughs> Wait, sorry, Julia. What did you say? No, I'll DM you after we do this podcast for tomorrow morning. But it's okay. Keep oh. going. <laughs> okay. Everything's fine. All right. Well, the, like I said, the other big Marvel news of the week was uh, we got our trailer for She-Hulk. Yeah. Um, and uh, just so you know, this um, this podcast is brought to you by the letters C, uh, G, and I um, for no good reason. Um, but you know, we won't talk about that. What we'll, we, what we will talk about is the fact that the trailer got seventy eight million views in the first twenty four hours. Wow. I would put it at the uh, number two. In terms of uh, trailer views, what were you guys' over, overall thoughts? Not counting the uh, the CGI of it all uh, on the on the trailer. I'll start with you, Julia. Um, it looks good. It looks fine. I get uh, the character seems cool. They haven't really shown us anything much about the plot yet. They're mostly showing off her, and I mean, other than the visuals, which we're not going to talk about, um, she seems pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, are you a big uh, She-Hulk fan from from the comics? I've read a bit with her in it. Like, I, I think there's another one I have that I haven't looked at that she's in, so I'll be looking at that. But I know her from like a couple things, and she seems cool. Okay, yeah, I'm a huge She-Hulk fan um, from the comics. So I was, I've been advocating for a She-Hulk series for about ten years. Um, so I think it's funny that a lot of these people who don't know anything, they're like, oh, what? We have a woman Hulk now as if she hasn't been around for like years and years. Ridiculous. quite funny. Yeah. Whenever, whenever people like let their agendas 
get in the way of their like what they should know about the comics from one literally one google search um you know it's it's always like a combination of like uh baffling and uh hilarious um what about you carlos what do you think about the trailer i think the trailer looks good it looks like a funny uh adult show um and i'm here for that uh I, I don't know much about the character outside of like, you know, Wikipedia paragraphs, you know, like backgrounds. Uh, I haven't read a ton of She-Hulk. So I'm, it's, you know, I'm kind of a blank slate for it. I'm interested to see where this takes place in the timeline. Fair. I have questions about Hulk, like that they've shown us in this, in this trailer. Like where, when is this? Uh, and, and like Julia said, there hasn't been a ton about like the plot of it. So mm-hmm. I'm interested I'm interested to see how that works out. I so, feel like it's gonna be less plot heavy because it's like ten or nine shorter episodes. Right. So it's yeah. So it's more like just I don't know, like a I want to say slice of life, but like just kind of getting to know the character, her origin. It's just kind of vibes. I don't know, but I agree that it's good that it's an adult series, especially coming after Ms. Marvel. Like it's good to have that contrast. Mm, yeah. Good point. Yeah, and I, one thing that I that I always thought, and and this feels like it lines up vibes wise is that, you know, if you're going to do a She-Hulk series, you know, you want to almost like model it after Alan McBeal, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the sense of it being a legal dramedy, um, but also a story about, you know, kind of like a, a professional woman, like finding her way in the, in the world, you know, cause that's a big part of Jen Walters' story, you know? Um, that she's got these these powers that allow her to like not these i mean she's, she's got the powers obviously but she's got this per, this new persona that allows her to be someone that she's not ordinarily and you know and figuring out that balance of like who is the is this the real me or is this the like the superhero the, the gamma you know persona yeah. and and how much of it do i want to like accept you know it's a it's a ultimately it's like kind of a story of like self-acceptance through through the through the hulk of it and you know and i think that one of the cool things about some of the comic runs is that they take that story and then they marry it to the idea of practicing superhero law which can be really fun you know it's like again you know this is me in my own like life as a comic book fan that's also a lawyer like thinking about those issues all the time and being like i wonder what it would be like if you know in a world with superheroes like how would these you know laws work how would uh it be you know if you had a a, the hulk run through your apartment like can you sue for that (laughs) you know like it's um and you know those kinds of things so i'm i'm glad hopefully that there's the opportunity to to explore that and you know be, being that it is going to be kind of nine episodes rather than six we here are strong advocates of longer seasons um, <laughs> um nine 30 minute episodes are better than six 40 minute episodes in, in my mind yeah, I agree. <laughs> and and you know i mean if the basic plot is just an origin story of like her finding by the end of the season that she's going to accept her you know, the being both a lawyer and a superhero. 
that's that's enough. That works for me. Yep. But um, yeah, we, we should at some point, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you guys some like pointers on like some good runs. Like I'm a big fan of the um, of the oh, my God, I'm just drawing a blank on, on, on the writer. <laughs> the um, Dan Slot. Dan Slot. Thank you. OK. Yeah. Yeah. The Dan so, Slot. Yes. Run, yeah. Because the John Byrne run is is like more celebrated, but it's it's of its time. It's more, you know, like ladies, early 90s. And, you know, they do a lot of cheesecake stuff in in that run that doesn't completely hold up. I see. You know, whereas the slot run, you know, has has more of the um, the fourth wall breaking, the self-referential, and then also the the sort of tying into the superhero practice. Subsequent runs are like kind of more on the legal side of things. And those are cool too, but it's it's less kind of fun and more. Well, it's still fun, but it's like less. It's like I think that the the slot run has the, the the right balance of like it's a lawyer, it's uh, self referential, and it's also a superhero story with you know in with the right brew. But um, and and yeah, most people have said that they're drawing from they're drawing from that run, so I'm looking forward to it. And that's I think we got it. We we definitely got an official date for that, right? That's August seventeenth. 17th yeah so less than three months away and that's she-hulk guys yeah i'm excited yeah it looks fun uh keeping things in the milestone territory the marvel milestone territory you might as well talk about uh dr strange and the multiverse of money um <laughs> and uh they've just hit their 800 million dollar global milestone so uh you know just keep on keep on pushing they're the number two the number two movie of the pandemic era the uh, still the top movie of the year of the calendar year you're welcome for my 17 dollars marvel <laughs> i mean yeah i i went and saw it on that on that wacky screen x format oh there's like a there, there are three screens one mm. in front of you and two on either side and i gotta say that's so special. Yeah. I mean, it was cool it was for like five minutes. Yeah. But uh, it didn't feel as immersive as I hoped it would. I want to see, well, I want, I like the idea of the, is it the 40 X ones? The ones that are like, they, if mm-hmm. you know, they spray you with water. If the, but yeah. like, I feel like I would hate that. I feel like the novelty wears off real quick. So I had the option of the, yeah, for like a for like a short in like a as like a theme park type of thing that's fun, but for a movie movie yeah. I feel like if I go see Top Gun Maverick in that, I'm going to just throw up <laughs> from all the like the rocking and the you know, and the wind blowing in my face. I'm just gonna barf. So the theater that I went and saw it on Screen X, they also have 40x. Um, so I had the option of doing either or. I the only movie that I've seen on 40x is a uh, X-Men Apocalypse. So oh. I don't know if the nausea was because of the chair rocking <laughs> or because I was watching X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. So, yeah, my chair was rocking, but it was mostly me just in in, in sad in sadness. Yeah. <laughs> no, what are they doing to yeah. my beloved characters? <laughs> you know? Man, that's, that's a rough one. That really is a... Oscar Isaac, how, how, 
How do you fumble that? I don't even. I mean, you fumble it by being Fox. It's true. Fumble it by being Fox. But um, let me go ahead and award some bonus points before I forget. Uh, you know, the She-Hulk trailer. You know, going to give it uh, two points for that milestone. And I'm also going to give it five points for the trailer, which also included the other Hulk. So uh, let, let me get on that, guys. Sorry. Uh, go ahead and vamp. And vamp. Julia, what's your favorite X-Men movie? I've only seen the first one. Oh, okay. I want to see the one, but the first one was so boring to me. I'm kind of hesitant to see some of the other ones, but I know I've heard they're good. So they're on my, as I mentioned earlier, I think maybe before the call started, watch list of many things that like school and work kind of prevent me because I have to watch stuff for work. So other than that, I don't get to watch that much. Sure. So yeah, so I have like a whole list of things. And then there's some things I can watch in the background, some things I can't. So I don't know. I um, wonder if the X-Men movies, like if this is your first time watching them, Oh, wait, I know what I've seen a couple. I've seen the Deadpool movies. I guess I can say the first Deadpool. Okay, yeah. Like, I I don't know, like, if I was, you know, now that we've come 20 plus years later from the first X-Men movie, I wonder how small they feel even now. Like, they were, the first X-Men feels small for 2000. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what it feels like now. Like, to watch it for the first time now would be insane. So I think the question becomes, you know, if we're going to go down that road, I think the question becomes like, how low are your expectations if you're going to watch the X-Men movies now? Like if you're going to watch them with MCU level expectations, then you're going to have some problems. But if you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, they made it in 2000, um, you know, there were some limitations. I went into it with that. Just what like, did you say? You know, I went into it like that. Now, the second one I've heard is very good. So I'm have well, the second one is definitely better than the first. I yes. love higher expectations for that. And then the third one I heard is not so good. So I'll have lower expectations for that. And then from there, I don't know. I heard Logan's really good. So, oh, yes, Logan is excellent. Yeah, really that good. one. But I want to watch it. You have to Logan. see the other ones before you see Logan yeah. for it to really. So that's work. why I haven't seen Logan yet. Um, but yeah. Um, X Men 3, I recently rewatched it. It's, it's awful. Um, but it's but it's not as awful as I remembered it. Um, okay, you know it's one of those things where when you when you when you want it it to be the best thing ever, and then it was awful. Like it's it's gonna rem- it's gonna stay in your memory as as the thing that destroyed X Men in your heart. Um, now that I'm now that I'm now that they can't hurt me anymore. Um, <laughs> Now that Fox can't hurt me anymore, I can just kind of like what I like and mock what I don't like. Um, but I, you know, this will shock you, but I went into that third one pretty sure it was not going to be great. So, because I was like, <laughs> guys, Brett Ratner, are we doing this? Like, are we really, are we really expecting a masterpiece from this guy? Yeah, and... I was still in my like, how could you get the X Men wrong <laughs> era. You know, it's so easy. These characters are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I learned my lesson. <laughs> Which is probably a good transition to the DC side of things. Oh. Um, <laughs> actually, we only have a couple of DC news. Uh, the first one, which is, you know, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Wonder Twins not happening. Wonder Twins. Apparently that was a budget issue or something, yeah. Uh, yeah, if by budget issue you mean they never should have greenlit 
a Wonder Twins movie in the first place. Um, sure. Well, they are, you know, they refuse to shell out that much, a certain amount of money for certain things. They're saying, I forgot exactly how it went, but yeah, so um, it was going to cost quite a bit. So they. Yeah, they used... so it was, it was greenlit at a $75 million budget. Um, and basically, the new ownership, the Warner Brothers Discovery Group, or specifically David Zaslav, um, the new CEO, is like, no, if this is going to be direct to HBO Max, they want to keep their HBO Max uh, movies at a $35 million budget range. Mm. And now they could have said, we're just going to make it at $35 million, but they said, It's one of twins. It costs a lot of money to take the form of an icicle, and or, and an, and an, or, or a green animal. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, so I'm I'm fine with this. I probably would be less fine with it if I like believed in the project a little more in the in the in the first place. So uh, yeah, no more no more wonder twins. I you um, know what I'm actually oddly surprisingly a little bummed by it just because it was a chance to make something really silly. If that's, you know, if that's what the goal was, it could have been something fun and silly. And um, I can't, I can't remember the name of the actress now who was going to be the lead, but like, yeah. I mean, you I, said that you've seen her in, um, in some of the like Paramount stuff, right? There was a Netflix series she's on that okay. my daughter used to watch. It was like a, a three camera sitcom called, I can't remember what it's called, but it actually was like, it's a three camera sitcom for like tweens but the, the conceit of the show is it's about these two best friends and one of them has, is a cancer survivor. And it's, so it, there are moments of like playing serious storylines throughout. Yeah. And she so the actress's name is Isabel May. Yeah, um, okay. She's, yeah. she's very like, she's got good chops. Like she's got the, she's got the, the skills to play in a bigger uh, well, sandbox. The hope, the hope is that maybe they'll cast her in something else. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She there there is a spot for her. She is she's got talent. Uh but she can focus on 1883, which is the Paramount show that um, you know, that's that's also coming out. Uh Heiji Alpa, on the other hand, uh can't focus on anything because uh not in our purview, but Riverdale is in its final season. Um, so KJ Alpa looking for Yeah, it's work. gonna air next year long surprisingly long-running show because like i thought that was when i heard about it i'm like oh that sounds cool it was gonna be the kind of thing that was gonna get canceled because like who wants to watch an archie show from like the, the teens want to watch archie these days i don't know and then it i mean this- my understanding is that it's like an archie show but like in the modern era oh i know but like still and it turns this whole crazy insane thing and it's wild so like you know good for them for sticking around for so long yeah, I heard someone tweet or read someone tweet that like for the final season they're just gonna send all of them to space. It's like, are, don't they have superpowers in this current season? I, I, yeah. I, it's connected to the to the um, what is the show? The the teenage witch show. Oh, Sabrina. Sabrina, Sabrina. Yeah. isn't it like the same kind of universe? Isn't she it, like yeah. in the next town over? Yeah, they've always been in the same universe, but I don't know how it completely works. But yeah. more power to uh well literally more power i guess to the the to riverdale because they're going to be the justice league um but <laughs> it would have been great if they got uh the punisher to come to riverdale like do you remember <laughs> like that, that one comic yeah yeah <laughs> the punisher as played by john bernthal yeah john bernthal's <laughs> punisher 
One batch, two batch. <laughs> oh man, shout out to John Bernthal who's killing it on We Own This City. Um he's one of I my just... favorite actors. Like, like he he is legit, like he can play the tough guy. He's he's absolutely like one of the most like brutal, kinetic, you know, tough guy actors. But like if you need someone to play like a, a like a, a policy nerd lawyer, he's also your guy. Like he he is he's got a lot of range. He gets action mm-hmm. star, you know, kind of like pigeonholed, but he is, he has a ton of range. Yeah. I mean, tying it back to what we were talking about, about the Netflix of it all, as much as I know currently, you know, the Punisher is a little bit problematic. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would say no to more John Burton Punisher. Absolutely not. You know, he's, he's fantastic. He, that, it's one of the, home run castings of the last like 20 years honestly yeah uh staying in the dc side of things but maybe maybe a little bit more uh, offbeat are you familiar with uh bat wheels that sounds like a hot wheels batman boy i think that's probably exactly what it is (laughs) (laughs) it is it is a animated series that is based around the batmobile and other uh, vehicles that are anthropomorphic um, and they're going on little adventures. Yeah, that's a thing. Sounds like the Spider-Man show that's on Disney Plus, like for small children, but with Maybe. cars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be talking vehicles, uh, but we got a little bit of casting. Apparently, uh, Gina Rodriguez is going to be joining the cast as well as uh, Jolo Maradona. Um, so there's going to be some Latino cars. No word <laughs> on whether they're going to be low riders. No, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> I actually think Gina is playing Catwoman. Uh, yes, that like is not her. a car. Not a car. That's interesting. It is. Uh, but he is going to be playing Snowy the Snowcrawler, um, which Mister Freeze is going to have a vehicle. Yeah, that old uh, car. You know, uh, what, what so new I, stories can they figure out for this guy? The iconic, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know Tom Kenny. Apparently, he's associated with SpongeBob. He, he is voiced SpongeBob. He's a voice god. Yeah. Oh, okay. so yeah. did I sing an Adventure Time and some other ones? Yeah. Mm. So apparently, the evil group of cars is called the Legion of Zoom. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So there, there you go. Uh, the evil, the evil version of the bat computer is, I guess, the bad computer. Mm. So puns abound. Puns abound. So you know, go ahead, go ahead, uh, bat wheels. Do your thing in the DC universe. Uh, it's going to be on HBO Max this fall. HBO Max and Cartoon Network this fall. So vroom vroom, vroom vroom. Is that what it says on the poster? Vroom, vroom. <laughs> I, I missed, a, I missed a, a little bit of Disney news that, I, that I'll circle back on to. We got directors for Echo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got Sydney Freeland and Catriona McKenzie. Uh, they're going to be directing the series. That series, which I think is going, we still don't know exactly when, right? Um, next year. It'll be next year. Okay. 
So uh, yeah, some, we got a little echo news. Before the, the Daredevil news was confirmed, there were a lot of people who were looking forward to that series for Daredevil, which is kind of <laughs> weird, but you know, <laughs> hopefully they'll just, hopefully they'll be looking forward to it for Echo. Honestly, um, I'm curious just to see how, how do you do a show where the main character is deaf? I just want to see how they're going to, how they're going to quote unquote play with that concept. Like I, I'm interested. I'm in. I'm learning I mean, ASL right now, so that's kind of fitting. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that they do some really creative things, especially, you know, we just got, um, um, oh, sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, the Oscar winning movie um, called Coda. Oh, Coda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah, sorry, guys, um, drawing a blank, too much alcohol. Um, we just, <laughs> yeah, so we just got Coda. And I think that they did, you know, really some, some cool things with representing, um, you know, hearing impaired people on that. So the hope is they're not going to, you know, skimp when it comes to the depictions. Plus, obviously, we're going to get the cultural representation because of, you know, Sidley Freeland, who worked on res reservation dogs. So I think I think they're I think it's going to I'm feeling good about the project. It's probably uh, will will fall victim to the six episode problem if, if it's still six episodes. I suspect but, it is. Yeah, but maybe maybe five of the six episodes will be awesome before it all falls apart at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as long as they keep getting all of the praise on the social media, they'll never change it, so. You said as long as they get the what? As long as they keep getting all of the praise on the social medias, you know, people saying that was perfect, no matter what, then they'll never change that because why fix what isn't broken? Yeah, even if it's broken. Um, even <laughs> if it is in fact broken. Why fix uh, what no one will admit is broken? How about that? Yes, yeah. Speaking of uh, not fixing what isn't broken, uh, Stan Lee, uh, the late Stan Lee, oh. uh, signed a contract. Well, he didn't. Um, that would be weird. Um, Stan Lee's <laughs> likeness uh, has been signed over to Marvel Studios uh, via his organization, uh, POW Entertainment, and uh, Genius Brands, who I think also bought into Stanley's likeness. And, um, you know, obviously, again, Stanley's passed away, but there is still demand for more Stan. And uh, Stan will live on uh, in various forms across theme parks, in video games. Uh, his voice will, will appear and uh, money will change hands. Uh, maybe not, who knows who should get said money but money has changed hands and will change hands as Marvel controls now for 20 years, uh, the ability for us to get more Stan Lee in our lives. Um, the ghost of Stan Lee, how do you guys feel about it? I think it's real gross. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's gross. Don't, don't do this. Um, I think that it could be gross. I definitely think it could be gross. I also think that Stan is so synonymous with Marvel that it's more of a situation where they were going to employ some facsimile of Stan at some point. So it's just a matter of them actually paying for his likeness rather than trying to like get around paying for his likeness. I don't know. I just think like, you know, 
if you're going to show me old footage of Stan Lee or something like that, it's different. But like, I don't, I don't. But, old, but that's the thing. Old footage would still require you to get the rights to his like. Yeah. And see, like they're, they're so like, OK, there is a respectful way to do this that, I you know, that's that's cool. But I'm picturing when that when I'm saying they're getting their likeness, I'm picturing like I'm going to watch a Marvel movie and there's going to be a CGI Stan Lee cameo which yeah. I don't need because that's not a cameo. He's right. Dead. Whereas, and I think that that's a lot of how it's been reported. Yeah. Whereas that mean, again, that could, they have the legal right to do that now, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do. Sure. You know, it's like when you acquire the likeness rights, you acquire the ability to kind of, you know, use it as you see fit. Sure. But I think that they're smart enough to know that there are certain things that are disgusting and certain things that are going to be, you know, that's going to create a backlash. People aren't going, whereas, you know, in of a, a Stanley in a video game, Stanley cameo in the new Spider-Man video game, um, probably not negatively received. Sure. Stanley's voice on a ride in the Marvel, whatever, in Disney world, probably not going to be negatively received. Right. Archival footage of Stan Lee, um, you know, in a, in a, one of those fanfare things, those Marvel fanfare thing, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's respectful ways that they can use his likeness and have right. it not be gross. And the hope is that that's the direction that they go in. Even if the reporting has been, Hey man, you never know. They could do deep fake Stan Lee and we'll all be creeped out in the uncanny Valley, you know? Well, that's all. I mean, that's definitely what we're thinking just because that's what they did with, well, they, they did it with Carrie Fisher before she died, but like that's what they did with the guy who played Grand Moff Tarkin in the Star Wars movies. And, you know, like, true. And it's the same like, parent corporation. It is still, I mean, different. it's, I mean, but I, but I guess it's, I guess with Stan, it's always been like a goodwill thing. Like he's not, he's not playing a character. Sure. You know, like the Stan Lee appearing in a Marvel movie has never been necessary. It's always been about just kind of, like, hey, it's Stan. He's cool, right. you know. Right. Um, so, whereas with Grand Moff Tarkin, the choices are basically, um, you know, no more Grand Moff Tarkin, or you recast Grand Moff Tarkin. And we'll talk about that a little later because it's because we're actually going to talk about Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's like that's a that's more of a like a discussion when it comes to like how are you going to bring a character when the actor is not alive anymore. Whereas with Stan Lee, I think it's really just about the fact that Stan Lee, more than any other person, is associated with the Marvel brand. So it's a good, I think it's just more of like a goodwill thing. Um, And, you know, it is unfortunate because I did a little research into like the POW entertainment thing um, and the other group versus like his family who he's estranged from like there's a whole bunch of like questions as to like who should profit from stan lee's likeness and it's really unclear <laughs> like, i had out in a few minutes just saying so if there's any topics sure. this that you think i'd be good at <laughs> all right because i do have, i'm getting tired and i'm hanging out some things on my laptop so um, we're almost, yeah, actually, we're almost uh, at, at the end, but we'll talk a little. Are you a Star Wars person, Julia? A little bit. You said a little bit? A little bit. 
Well, yeah. you know, um, as what, one of the big stories of the week that that we learned is that John Watts, he of the I am taking a break from Marvel and Spider-Man uh, is uh, producing a uh, series in the Star Wars universe. Um, no word on the name of the series, but it's going to it's going to be basically a coming of age uh, series set in, the, you know, involving young, I believe, Jedi, but maybe not. Um, yeah, just yeah, just some young people set during the time period of the Mandalorian. Um, I think some people evoked like the Amblin, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg ish style. So, so what's so so Stranger Things is what we're what I'm hearing. Right. Uh, <laughs> I am hearing Stranger Things in the Star Wars universe, uh, which is a pitch that would definitely get your project made. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, Julia? It sounds good. I'm I'm all for new stories being told in Star Wars. They keep saying they're going to get away from Skywalkers, and somehow the Skywalker people always end up coming back. So it'd be <laughs> nice to see some new people because, like, Star Wars doesn't feel as much of a sprawling universe to me that Marvel does, and I feel like they want to be that, but then they get too scared to do it, mm-hmm. go all out on it. And I would like to see them go all out on it because it just feels like I don't know. It feels so small in comparison to like the scope of. Yeah, so I think yeah, part of, the same thing, but yeah, it's a little weird that everything in Star Wars is focused on these characters, I guess, when there's so many mm-hmm. other, when they made so many movies, and I, and that's a weird thing to say, but it's like, no, I, 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 totally, agree. I totally agree with that. I, I think that even with all of these series coming out, it's like, how many times can we be on a desert planet? <laughs> how many times? You know, like it's it's it 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 feels much smaller. That's yeah. why Mandalorian season two. No, sorry. Freudian slip, Book of Boba Fett that becomes Mandalorian <laughs> season three, um, where where like the first time you see him, he's on a planet where like the it's like a big ring and like there's sun every mm-hmm. half hour and then darkness every half. Like I was like, oh, that's cool. That's something different than mm-hmm. desert for as far as the eye can see. Everything feels smaller in Star Wars right now. It's crazy. Yeah. So I think part of it is that like. You know, even though Star Wars has existed for like 50 years, um, it's been, you know, and Kathleen Kennedy talked about this in her Vanity Fair article that you guys all should read. You know, she talked about the fact that Star Wars has been like one continuous story for this for this time. And and the the pitfall of it being this one continuous story has been, you know, the fan base itself being kind of reluctant to explore beyond it yeah you know and you know and one thing that that's that's majorly di- i mean we talk a lot about and then there's controversy about like marvel having a tone you know having a, a a palette and a style that that you know makes it consistent well star wars definitely has that oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. like like trying to make a star wars thing that doesn't feel like star wars is going to get a major backlash and and it's and it's a delicate dance you know you want to like you want to get you want to get out from under the you know the skywalker template um but then if you try if you try it like a big segment of the fan base is like this isn't star wars so it's you know it's it's hard it's hard to figure out like how much is new how much how much is can they be new while still being familiar? 
yeah, like if you make a Star Wars movie, there better damn well be a fight scene at the end near an endless pit <laughs> in the middle of a ship. Like just there better be and something better fall down that pit so that we know it's endless. Yeah. John Williams has to do that score. Um, there better be a Jedi. There better be some cute droids. Um, someone's got to have a bad feeling about this. Um we better else? be building up to some sort of weapon that can decimate planets. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, preferably, preferably some sort of star of death. <laughs> right, right. You know, like apparently that's the only technology that, that they have that is a planet destroying laser. The empire fell because of a lack of imagination. Well, that's well, but no, but then we learned that the same technology that created the Death Star is also the technology that creates the lightsaber. So it's yeah. yeah, it's the same crystal. Just a big ass lightsaber. It's a big ass lightsaber. <laughs> it's lightsabers all the way down. Oh, that's it. <laughs> like, it's the Russian doll of lightsabers. Yeah. Is that the Star Wars universe? So I mean, I it's tough. It, I mean, it like so. I'm looking forward to uh, again, you know, read the Vanity Fair piece when they talk about uh, some of the pitfalls of revisiting. Uh, hallowed ground of, of star wars characters while Look, I trying to go to sleep you guys all right julia thank you for joining <laughs> us uh thank you for hanging on i know it's it's a, it's a little bit of a late night uh it's always a pleasure uh let the people know where they can find you and where they can find your work real quick at julia double on twitter i'm usually tweeting out my latest stuff and I have the sites i work on there so you know just go at julia double on twitter it's all there all right, Julia Delbell on Twitter, guys. Look for it. See ya. Good See ya. night. But yeah, I mean, that's a Star Wars thing. It's it's a tough thing because I'm I was one of the people that when Disney acquired the property, um, especially as someone who was a big reader of the um expanded universe, mm -hmm. like I was like, let's go, let us MCUify this thing. You know, no more trilogies, just do Star Wars stories in the universe. And, you know, they did another trilogy and mixed results. Um, but it's a trilogy in that there are three movies. I would not call them a connected story whatsoever. <laughs> they, they said that there was. They said it was. They said it was yeah, right. Um, whereas The Mandalorian is very much in the vein of what I was hoping they would do. Um, not opposed to the things that, you know, Rogue One was awesome. Um, even Solo, like, very underrated movie. But at this point, it's underrated. I, my only issues with, with Solo is actually that it connects to the greater saga. Mm, it just yeah. shouldn't. Like, the, the, the point, his arc in, in Solo is like, uh, you know, he's, he goes from, being like a smuggler or whatever with a heart of gold to being the guy who shoots first but like he also without him the the <laughs> the, the, the rebel alliance doesn't the exist rebel either. alliance doesn't work without what he did in solo so then what is his arc in the new hope he's already done this yeah i know they, that, that's they... the that's what i don't like about solo if it would have just been any other you know any I... other story that just didn't connect to the main or even if he didn't novel. know or even if he no, sure, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, but the fact that it's like this story takes place 
approximately three and a half weeks before <laughs> you know a new hope it just it just really like it undercuts it does the worst thing that a bad sequel can do or a bad prequel can do is it undercuts the movies that come after it um to the sure. point where you almost have to ignore it if you want to enjoy things the same way um but like i think rogue one is like probably my favorite star wars movie and it's the one that connects the least to the saga in terms well, of, in terms of like hmm. Not, yeah we're not following a jedi you know yeah. you know we're following the rebels and while it does obviously connect to literally the first crawl of the <laughs> first movie um it it does feel the somehow oddly the least connected yeah i mean the the other thing about rogue one is the tone of it like yes it actually you know especially you know and this gets awkward for people and i understand if it will but like, you know, when you get into the meat of Star Wars as a uh, Iraq war, um, yeah, what's the word? What am I looking for? Allegory. Like, allegory. Thank you. Um, you know, Lucas tried to do that in the prequels, and it didn't all always work for me. Sure. But like in Rogue One it definitely works and it makes and it gets people uncomfortable when you have yeah. like oh yeah yeah they're terrorists guys um <laughs> they're freedom fighters but they're yeah. also terrorists i mean i heard know? him i just heard an interview he was doing with uh, and i don't know when it was recorded but it's him and james cameron and james cameron's talking to him about the politics of the first pre of the first trilogy mm -hmm. and he's like our main heroes are the rebels like they are the they are the ones overthrowing, you know, the empire. We would call them terrorists today. We would call them insurgents, is what we would. Like, yeah, and 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 he's like, yeah, that you know, they're the Viet Cong. It's like, oh, he's like, yeah, that's you know, that's what was going on at the time, basically, and that would make the empire us. So you know, like, like yeah, yeah. He, you know, it, and it's you know, when especially when you add in the idea of like the Jedi as a religion, right? So mm -hmm. now you have like these like religious. I mean, granted, there aren't that many Jedi, like to really kind of go in, right? You know, but it's like if you if you wanted to 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 flesh it out as like, oh, so you guys want to establish a like religious based uh, rebellion and return to uh, a rule of of a of faith, <laughs> right? You know, to to me, that's the greatest mm -hmm. like fumbled uh, bag of the pre of the sequel trilogy is. Mm -hmm you have this you had this real opportunity to change the perspective of your of your protagonist and your antagonist like mm. now the rebels are the empire is what it should have been but somehow even though the first Re first republic is that what, what are they called no there's the first order and the and the and the rebellion but why are they the rebellion if they've won no, sorry the resistance that was the resistance they well, shouldn't so be the resistance they are yeah, they but, are no longer the counterculture. They are their culture. Yeah. So, and that's that's where I personally I think that's where they screwed up, right? Because like what I I like the idea that like you know because we've seen it in our own history that you know those of you who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, right? Right. So I like the idea that you that the first order are essentially people who were too young to remember the actual empire, and mm. they're like, no, 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 we need to bring the empire back. You know, like everybody's super young and they're like, no, we want to bring, we want to make the galaxy great again. Right. That's like, <laughs> they're like, that's literally what they're, what they're all about. 
And then you have like the Republic who are kind of, they don't understand how big of a threat the First Order is until it's too late, Mm. you know? And then the First Order becomes the force. I mean, not the the force, but, you know, the force (laughs) in the, the force in the galaxy. They become, you know, they're, they've been like spending the last 30 years biding their time until they can overturn Ro- I mean, sorry, um, <laughs> until they can overturn the events of, of the, the, the first trilogy and get back into power. What do you, you mean know? they have a six to three majority of the Inquisitors? <laughs> exactly. When did that happen? Right. So, I mean, and then the Emperor's back like, hey, it's just like I planned it. You know, long game. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so I didn't mind that thematically, like the long game of, especially because it had been 30 years, like, you know, as someone who did go into the, the uh, you know, expanded universe, like those are set like 10 years after, um, you know, 10 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like that was that also interesting stories to be told in that era, because sure. that's the era, like you said, where they go from being these insurgents, these rebels to uh, just a bureaucracy that people start to ask themselves, were we better off with the, with the empire? Like, you know, I mean, no, they weren't, but like, I can understand how people might feel that way, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when you add in the fact that once it gets revealed that like Leia was Darth Vader's daughter, like she kind of loses all of her (laughs) political, (laughs) her political (laughs) clout. It's like, wait, 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 you're in charge. But like your dad was like space Hitler. Like, why are we, why are we accepting this? Right, right. And then, you know, if you add, if you think about that, then you can sort of understand why Leia is no longer like where Leia would be part of this like resistance more so than part of the the Republic. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, there's a lot of fertile ground there that just, they just didn't tell the story because they didn't want to tell it. Yeah. Well, again, I, when if you go in saying, "Wow, this is a real," there's 30 years of, of room to tell everything that happened after the events of Return of the Jedi, and let's have at it. That's much different from let's gonna let's tell these three stories and let's finish it out. I like you know? the idea that's I, man. I don't remember now if it made it to the the final film of Rogue One or if it was just in the trailer because there's definitely a difference. Yeah. Um, but there's like a line where the main character whose name I can't remember now, the woman... Uh, who, Jin? No. Is it Jin? Jin Not Orso? Jin. She, she, something Orso, yeah. Jin, her father? I don't remember. Um, I want to say it's like... I think it's Jin, but it might be like Jalen. Um, no, it's, it's probably Jin. Uh-huh. Um, where she, she says something along the lines of like the flags don't matter if you're keeping your head down like oh, Jin or Jin Urso there we go Jin Urso okay yeah like yeah. she it, it's it's this idea that like empire no empire it doesn't oh yeah 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 none of this yeah, from yeah life. like from right it's like from where I sit it really doesn't matter right whether it's the empire or and that and that's real that's some that's some like real shit and that's and that's I think Rogue One and the last Jedi interrogate that concept mm-hmm. and then but like J.J. Abrams had no desire to get into the sticky wickets yeah. there. But just- but again, I think that if you at the outset, if you at the outset were saying like this story is never going to end. I mean, which we we knew when Disney bought it, the story is never going to end. Of course. Right? 
So like, instead of lying to the people and saying, you're going to end the story, you had the fertile ground to expand from those concepts. Mm-hmm. Like the last Jedi is not the middle movie of us, of a trilogy. The last Jedi is the movie that expands the story in a bunch of different directions. Yes. Yes. And had they just said, yeah, yeah, guys. Um, yeah, there's episode. I mean, we're doing epi- we're doing an episode nine, but like, there's gonna be like a lot more Star Wars, right? Like, don't expect this to be like it. will we will end like where one very specific story, but there's more to come. I think that right. I think that they, from a storytelling perspective, would have had less pressure. Um, and I think that the people who felt like some of the characters in the prequel trilogy were shortchanged. Like, imagine if they had said, oh yeah, we're doing this, this uh, X-Wing movie and it's going to star uh, Oscar Isaac as, um, f- as Poe Dameron. So we're going to see more adventures of Poe. We're going to do another uh, story. It's going to feature uh, Rose and uh you know and and her and her mission you know what i mean like yeah like they were they gave you these characters that they couldn't possibly conclude their arcs they really could only conclude one person's arc and maybe two maybe two Mm -hmm. but like we wanted more and they could have just said we're going to give you more yep and then they came right back around and were like, we're giving you more, but not of these guys, right. which is weird. Yeah. Is weird. You know, it's too bad that the, that the Mandalorian timeline wise takes place like right after Return of the Jedi. I think it's awesome that it takes place in that time. Well, just, just <clears throat> because like from a meta perspective, it means that we can't ever get Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac on screen together. Like they're they're boys, like they're you know True. like they just they just True. unless unless I mean, he's playing I mean, Poe Dameron's father. Oh no, I was gonna say it's like you know, I mean he's gonna be in the helmet anyway. So just <laughs> like it's gonna be like old Mando, like yeah, Mando right. like 58-year-old Mando and like 19-year-old Poe. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if the I don't know if the helmet is necessarily this is this became Star Wars talk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the helmet is necessarily a given anymore. I mean, from a budget standpoint, clearly clearly Pedro Pascal is not there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, he is he is working remotely like we're all working remotely. Yes, it is a voice performance, but like um but just from a story standpoint, like where they leave off with Mando, like he's been uh, sort of um, defrocked, ostracized. From, yeah, yeah, ostracized. But he does want to. He does want to rejoin. Does want to rejoin. So he, which means he has to go back to wearing his helmet. But it does kind of feel like what the 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 end game of that story is is like we're going to have to unite all of the Mandalorians, mm-hmm. which means there's you know, which is kind of what the Last Jedi was getting at. It's like there's got to be a third way, and yeah. I feel like that's what Mando is getting to. So like maybe he doesn't wear the helmet at the end. I I mean it's mm-hmm. it's not. Or Grogu wears a helmet, which you know, that would be weird. Own, own kind of awesome. Where are you putting those ears? Where are you putting ears <laughs> in the helmet? That's why when people were like, "I think he made him a helmet," nah, bro. There was no. How were they going to fit that? Yeah, and, and how is how is he going to be adorable in that? Yeah, helmet? you can't put that helmet on the most adorable creature in the galaxy. 
all fair. All right, so we should transition. Uh, we, we somehow, this is what happens. This is why Ikea was very adamant that we should never talk Star Wars on the show. Uh, this is what happens when you talk Star Wars on the show. Um, last story, real quick. Actually, two, two last stories. Three last stories. We will run through very quickly. Uh, Doctor Who, uh, there's going to be a new character, Yasmin Finney, who I believe is trans. Uh, she will be a new companion. Uh, she will be named Rose, uh, not the same Rose. Uh, and she's a Black woman. So good on her. Good. Um, uh, She-Ra live action Amazon series. I forgot about this. Going to happen. Gonna and happen Amazon. In Interesting. Yeah, Amazon's doing uh, She-Hulk. I mean, sorry, She-Hulk. She-Ra uh, live action. And uh, Nicole Castle is going to be directing it. Surprised that Netflix doesn't have the rights to that. I th- just the just the animated. Just the animated. Interesting. Um, also, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen rebooted. Twentieth Century and Hulu cannot be worse than the movie. So, uh, correct. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see whether it's going to be a movie or a series. I'm hoping it's a series. Yeah, let's hope. Mm. Even if it's a movie, it can't be worse. I mean, it says for Hulu, so I'm I'm guessing, but it doesn't says Twentieth Century Studios. See, Hulu Hulu makes movies. Yeah, that's true. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that it's I'm gonna hope that it's a series because okay. right. the book was the book was good and you know there's enough at least for a mini series we'll say yeah but that's that's our stories wow we we made it through our 15 stories guys um, and uh, we only got bogged down four times <laughs> so we'll directly to proportional to when I joined the chat right <laughs> so we'll take a break and then we'll come back from the break and we'll talk about our racial draft business. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys <laughs> and we're back um racial draft business uh what did you think of the second week of the supplemental draft carlos uh i i like snake drafts I... <laughs> <laughs> everything moved along quite nicely uh i you know i enjoyed i feel like there were more there were what, at least half defensive picks this time this yeah, i mean so here's the thing i think that obviously there's a little bit less strategy here you know mm-hmm. in the in the supplemental um which is good because like you know this one of the things that I, I i talk about every now and then is that i always hope that if people are making a pick it's not just about the like oh how many points is this character going to score you know i mean not that you shouldn't care at all but you know try to think about like the fit you know, of the character, whether you can come up with like a cool backstory for the character, whether you can like make the case so that, you know, you get the approvals, you know, you get people to like do the fan art and, and, and all that stuff that that like touches on the imagination of like how these characters might be imagined. Right. Um, and often defensive picks are the right move often there are characters that are important to the culture and you want to maintain them to that end i should mention uh last week we did the red red dagger challenge um and uh you know just recently um the uh, native american delegation has conceded uh the red dagger challenge so the polynesian sorry the south asian delegation that would uh, be fucked up if it just went to another delegation (laughs) don't Ah! Polynesians. <laughs> yes. So the uh, South Asian delegation will, in fact, 
receive Red Dagger uh, via the Red uh, via the challenge. Uh, the Native American delegation will uh, get a backup uh, draft pick somewhere down the line. Well, at the end of the draft, um, however, did lose did lose the challenge or oh, well history was made challenge exactly. However, um, you know, let's quickly go through this week of picks, uh, starting off with Jessica Cruz, defensive mm-hmm. pick for the Latinx delegation. Mantis, not a defensive pick. Um, Correct. For the, for the Jewish delegation, I will, I will get to it. Um, <laughs> judo master, quasi defensive pick for the East Southeast Asian delegation. Uh, Stan, Sam Guthrie, cannonball, not a defensive pick. Uh, Lucas Bishop, the, uh, you know, Bishop uh, for the multiracial delegation, questionable whether defensive or not. I think that's uh, defensive, right? Isn't, isn't Bishop Black and Polynesian? I question about whether he's in fact Black, but people just assume oh, he's Black. Oh, okay. Who <laughs> <laughs> would just assume he's Black? So uh, splitting the baby right there, making him Black and Polynesian. Um Got it, got it. Um, Teddy Altman, Hawkling, not a defensive pick. Kingo for the South Asian delegation, defensive. Bonesaw McGraw, defensive. Doesn't get more defensive than Bonesaw <laughs> McGraw. We talked about him last week. It's amazing that he... he Bonesaw, is. he's ready. <laughs> uh, Hisako Ichiki, armor, not defensive. And uh, Adriana Tomas. Uh, we won't say uh, the longtime superhero uh, alias because we don't want to end up on a watch list. But uh, the Swanamena delegation uh, with another de- defensive pick, but a defensive pick that is close to our hearts. But um, yeah, so I mean, like you said, there was about half the defensive picks, but these picks are good picks. Yeah, no, I, mean, we're, I, I said in the chat, um, and I'll say it on the pod, that like I'm going to refrain from voting for approval polls until, unless there are defensive picks, because I obviously approve, um, <laughs> or if the drafter gives us anything. Some kind, yeah. Literally, I don't need a whole backstory. Give me a sentence and a half of this, you know, why? Why this pick? That's all I need. Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean... You know, it, it went awry. I admit, I admit it went a little awry. But like, you know, at least when we would would talk about like fan casts or visual reference, like that would sometimes yield a discussion about like, you know, maybe there's someone who could like bring a little something to the character, you know, reimagined. But yeah, you know, guys have been, you know, folks have been a little lazy about about uh, you know, explaining explaining why these why these picks might might be uh might be better suited um you know in the racially drafted form but what we will do since since we get to have fun is uh (laughs) we get to we get you know let's let's play around let's let's come up with our own justifications for some of these picks (laughs) um you know we'll start with with jessica cruz that was a defensive pick so have at it talk about what um you know she has not yet appeared in live action now i i have to admit uh i felt some kind of way because the fan art of jessica cruz uh was giving uh america chavez vibes and um and i'm 
having been denied my America Chavez, <laughs> I am all about this uh, this version of Jessica Cruz, even though not in not canon, not canon. <laughs> Way because because here's the irony. Here's the irony. Jessica Cruz is a Green Lantern, right? And Correct. you know the lore about the Green Lantern is all about willpower, right? Right. Her whole deal for like her first arc is that she suffers from anxiety and does not have sufficient willpower to fully take um, part or, you know, take advantage of the Green Lantern ring, which is very close to the, my star punching ability only works when I'm afraid. I was trying to explain to someone who wasn't familiar with America Chavez from the comics, like how much of like a departure that aspect of the character is. And I was like, it would be like if MCU Bruce Banner could only turn into the Hulk when he was totally calm. <laughs> like that's how crazy it is to, to, to link it to fear and doubt. Like she's just like not her, that. like her most iconic pose is the like, Look at me, bring this shit on face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and just you know, and, and the counter obviously for the movie is like, um, well, you know, it's an arc and she'll get there. Mm. It's like Tony Stark didn't have that arc, Doctor yeah. Strange doesn't have that arc. They start off mm. so mm-hmm. confident that they're cocky, and then yeah. they get brought down a peg and then they get back up. Yeah, like, that's no, but here's different. the thing. Even if you wanted to say, and you don't, we don't, you know, there's a whole podcast, we go get into this. But even if you wanted to say, there's an arc. Okay, you know what I need to see at the end of this arc? She's cocky as fuck. That's what I want to say. Like, like, okay, do the arc. Yeah. Where is cocky as fuck America Chavez? Because you know what I saw? I just rewatched the movie. You know what I saw? I'm still a little, (laughs) still a little nervous about about my powers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, Hey, hey, Doc Strange, are you're leaving? You're not gonna, you know, give me a little bit of a pep talk like you did before, so that I can, I can be all that I can be. No, no, okay. Not, not my America. No, she's got to be giving Michelle Rodriguez in every scene. Like you don't, you not, you, you don't even want to find out. You don't have to fuck around because you already <laughs> yeah. found out. You know. Yeah. But uh, and- yeah. So, but but getting back to Jessica Cruz, there is a chance here for dc to sort of circle takes the square here you know like to, yeah, to, to kind could, of she could drink the milkshake yeah to kind of you know get the steal the steal the family feud points like yeah. just just come and snatch it just take it there's a chance but they're not gonna do it they're not gonna no do it. they won't do it we'll see <laughs> we're, we're gonna see jessica cruz in uh the super pets movie voiced by dasha polanco but uh but that won't count that will not count yeah yeah that I mean, absolutely will not count yeah i mean you know don't get me wrong she could be awesome she could be awesome but it's not Great. gonna like it's not gonna that's gonna count to the same level no you know um, yeah yeah we 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 it's almost like when we first heard about the casting we were concerned that they were going to you know really nerf her and make her like a kid because they cast like a young kid to play her right and um you know <laughs> It's almost like we predicted this. But. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like when I brought this stuff up in <laughs> chats that we're both in and people said, oh, you're so negative about everything. It's going to be, have you seen the movie yet? Have you seen it? Are you sure? Guys, 
it's a 14 year old Mexican girl playing a <laughs> playing a 20 year old Puerto Rican. Like it's not going to work out. Right. And, uh, not to mention a character who's like whose arc was I had to like go through this hard scrabble life of you know losing my parents at a young age and I had to do it all by myself you know like it's actually a formulaic story that they couldn't even whatever they couldn't even get the formula right yeah Mm -hmm. you're sure you're right right. anyhow uh that's Jessica Cruz uh currently sitting at 100% approval rating because why the fuck not 100% Um, all right um but uh you know 11 hours left. So by the time you hear this podcast, we should probably, uh, you know, uh, the poll's still open, but don't vote. Don't vote. I mean, vote, but don't, don't not approve because what's wrong with you? Randy's <laughs> not on this one. So we're not going to get the, we're not going to get the negative voting. Yeah. <laughs> um, the negative for no reason. I'm going to go down voting right now. <laughs> for why Randy? For why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, this one, uh, this was rough. This was rough because, like, I was convinced that uh, Mantis was going to end up back with the, um, you know, the East Southeast Asian delegation, mm-hmm. um, especially because of the the backstory. The, you know, I didn't realize this until I kind of did a little research. You know, she's a alien who's also Vietnamese, who's also played by a Vietnamese actress. Right in the MCU, she does martial arts, which you know, again, stereotypes, but cosmic martial arts, it's fine, right? Um, you know, like there's a whole like Celestial Madonna thing with the Kotati, which kind of played itself out in in a you know, about a year ago in the what's that storyline called? Um, a year ago Mm. with the plant people. Um, I wanted to say it was like invasion, but it's not invasion, it's Kong quest no not kind of. whatever the point is <laughs> the point is uh she's a little planty um she had a plant son that decided to lead her uh, an evasion against the uh the, and yet the jewish delegation uh acquired her and didn't really explain why didn't really explain what was um you know specifically uh jewish mantis was bringing to the table so uh yeah. Yeah, I don't even, like I I don't know how to I don't know how to circle the square on that. I I don't Yeah, I mean the the most we could say is that uh nothing has changed and she's just also Jewish. Mhm. Um I suppose that works. She's a uh, cosmic Jewish. Um but but I got nothing. I got nothing for uh for Mantis. And uh, yes, yeah, currently sitting at a thirty-three point three percent approval rating. Um, so, not not a lot of strength in terms of how 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 it's being received right. in the public. But technically, there is time for the Jewish delegation to like mount some sort of explanation. I would love to hear some like you know connecting it to the to the empath or the uh, empire that's what it was called sorry oh thank look you. at that <laughs> <laughs> thank you for helping me out there uh, c- connecting you know connecting somehow the judaism to 
her powers or or something not that it you know not that it has to but Mm -hmm. i would i'm just wondering like what what was it why why this character oh yeah uh bonus points are in order for our girl the scarlet scarab 100 percent approval rating for lila al uh i would give it 200 points if i could (laughs) (laughs) but uh that's just me but uh i'll go ahead and give the bonus points for layla who definitely should be added to the proper marvel universe let's hope that it happens soon hope she gets a maybe a mini series announced that would be awesome the fan art is exploding for Layla. It's it's really amazing. And Infinity like, Comic, I think, is at the very least due. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly, like, of all the Disney Plus series, I can't think of another character that's prompted this much fan art. No, not not at all. Ralph Bone, no. no. <laughs> You're not even Mephisto. Mephisto. Well, no, all of the pictures are of Mephisto, whether or not they are of Mephisto. So Uh, this one is a little interesting because so I did a little deep dive when I heard about this pick. So Judo Master, Uh, we we both watched. um, What's his name? We both watched Peacemaker. Um, uh, I did a little a very little research when when they introduced judo master in the in the beginning of peacemaker Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of judo master there's like a second judo master uh his son and uh but the first judo master we got to talk about how racist the first judo master is because everything that people think iron fist is Uh, judo master actually is (laughs) like judo master was created uh, in the early, like, I don't know when he was created, actually, technically, but like his, his character, uh, comes of into prominence in like World War II. Yeah. Um, he's a white guy who, uh, goes to Japan, uh, wears the, uh, Japanese, what's it called? The, the empire, the rising, I think it's called like the rising sun Mm -hmm. flag on his, on his suit. Um, and then takes a Japanese person as his sidekick. Um, <laughs> yep. And he proceeds to be this uh, all-American blonde white hero who's uh, the literal judo master, um, the master of a Japanese martial art. Um, no real word as to why, how. <laughs> I think I think there was a matter. No, I, honestly, I do think there was a de- a deal where like he like slept with a like a Japanese woman who was the father was like a a sensei. You know, he he, he went he, he hit like all the he hit all the mighty whitey tropes. I like to um, think that he's like standing in his uh, his study one night, and a <laughs> Japanese guy just comes through the window, and he's like, "I shall become a judo master." <laughs> So uh, and then of course you know he he he's judo master back in America, um, and then 
has a whole has a whole um, career, and then his son becomes a second judo master because you know my dad. I learned from my dad, judo. I was looking up the original judo master comics, and you know, you know, whatever. It's him fighting a robot or him fighting a guy with a skull face. But then every like three images is like him taking out an entire Japanese battalion. <laughs> it's, it's, yep. Yeah, it's like, do they all know judo or do none of them know judo? You you seem to want to have the stereotype both ways. So I feel like in this instance, in order for it to really work, right? Um, this judo master is actually the son of the white guy, and he just hates hates his dad. I mean, you know, like he's, I mean, and maybe he's even, a, no, actually this is even better. So his sidekick was actually Asian. Ah, okay. You know, okay. so he's actually the adopted son of judo master, but the biological son of the sidekick, Got it. you know, like, so he's like, yeah, I'm going to take back the judo master name from this appropriator who is also my dad. Um, we're not going to talk about the fact that my dad was the original judo master appropriator of, of uh, Asian culture, because I'm just going to kick your ass anytime you bring it up. <laughs> that's, that's like his chip on his shoulder, you know, that he's yeah. like, you know, no, no, nope. I'm judo master. I'm not judo master junior. I'm not a Asian judo master. I am the judo master. And uh, yeah, first judo master, very racist. Very like, uh, yeah, isn't okay. I'm not, I'm not a martial artist, but isn't judo like a series of throws? Isn't that what it is? Like, like I mean, it's it's throws and it's also uh submission, so okay, because there's a lot of like air kicking with judo master <laughs> in the comics. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not because that's like the joke of Austin Powers when he's like judo chop. It's like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not. You would, you would never judo chop. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it's like, what, what? yeah, like, so, so ironically, like, so Ronda Rousey, the yeah. MMA fighter, she's yeah. a black belt in judo. Okay. You know, so, so like her, and a big part of her style, you know, cause the, as a like black belt slash gold medalist in judo is like take, like uh, takedowns and submissions. Like, okay. Right. Like that's like the, the striking, not really a big part of judo, but again, racist Americans. Right. Like, so it's fair to say that while he is a master of judo, he's also a master of other martial arts, you know, but yeah. judo master is the, the brand. <laughs> right. Right. But that's, that's how I would, like, if I were bringing, if I were bringing judo master, this judo master to the comics, I would just be like, yeah, my adopted father, um, you know, the white guy that you guys all allowed to parade around um, the world wearing a, uh, a, a Japanese, uh, what's his name, flag, <laughs> a Japanese empire flag. <laughs> you just thought that was cool. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I don't approve of any of that. And I'm going to, like, you know, bring honor back to the judo master name. I think it's way more likely that we get we're going to get East Asian judo master in the comics if we haven't already, but it's just going to be like, wow, that was some crazy crisis. <laughs> now I'm the new judo master and we're never going to bring up the old one again. Yeah, probably. 
probably but you know every now and then it's just good to you know just to, to bring up yep uh, things are different now so currently uh sitting at 100 approval rating but there's still you know a day or two left but you know again do do the thing keep keep voting for yes I think that that one, like, like Iris West, like at this point, if Jiddle Master is anything but East Asian, we have failed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, no, this one is actually odd. <laughs> Rom, Rom the Space Knight. Uh, I didn't know until I did some research that he was, he was a human before he got turned into a robot. And the Polynesian delegation drafted him. And now Polynesian Rom, there it is. Um, and 100% approval rating for Polynesian Rom. Okay. I mean, I, what do you say? There's, I mean, I would- No reason he can't be Polynesian. And True, no reason he can't be. But- But like, it would be kind of cool to like hear a little, hear a little bit about like what Polynesian Rom brings to the table. Right. I mean, I guess we could play the, the make up a backstory game. Um, I don't know enough about different Polynesian cultures to to do that, though. And I don't know enough about Rom the Space Knight. One day, a <laughs> Polynesian man was on a website and it asked him to prove he wasn't a robot and he realized he couldn't. <laughs> Clear the go. tiles that have traffic lights. And he's like, oh, no. And he immediately got turned into a robot. And it was at that moment. It was in that moment that Rom the Space Knight was born. <laughs> you know, there will eventually be a story that goes like that, where it's like someone's like, wait, am I? And they are. Oh man. Okay. Now this is this is where we get controversial. Uh I wish Randy were here because I, I got questions. Okay. Sam Guthrie. Kentucky farmer from a coal mining family. Yeah. Talks in a very pronounced, very stereotypical um, Southern Hick accent. Yeah. It's, it's 10 brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty well positioned as a... Uh, as a, a southern white stereotype and the black delegation went ahead and acquired him but shockingly people scratched their heads to that one <laughs> not yeah. to say that it's impossible for the guthries to be black but but i did some research there are only 3% of coal miners oh. that are black. Wow. That's, I'm honestly surprised. I'm honestly shocked by that. That is not a, uh, that's not a thing that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Your lungs are already black. Yeah. By, by virtue. We, and uh, my guess is also that like, it's one of those professions where like, you know, they work in close quarters or whatever. So, you know, the white coal mining groups didn't want black people coal mining along with them. Sure. 
and then, you know, I guess I think of coal mining, I think of like West Virginia, yeah, which is but, just the whitest place. And I mean, West Kentucky's Virginia. pretty white too. There have to be black people in Kentucky, though. Well, I mean, because it was a Confederate state, yeah, sure, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and apparently, like, uh, you know, Sam Guthrie's granddaddy did fight for the Confederacy, you know, that's a thing that was obviously um yeah i mean i I, i'm not seeing it not seeing it not seeing not seeing black sam guthrie not without a lot of re rejiggering as it were (laughs) (laughs) damn it uh isn't yeah i you know i would actually say that like his whiteness is inherent it's inherent to the character especially because um and this is the other side of it like his friendship yes with his friendship with um with roberto with um sunspot right like is very much positioned as like you got your poor white guy your white trash you got your rich black dude you know from not even from america and they're best buddies and it's like wow isn't that weird you know they can't be they can't be any more different but yet they're best buds right that's that's the whole play that's the way that's how that's supposed to go it's like you expect him to be racist but he's not (laughs) (laughs) right exactly it's yeah you know it's like it you know it's like uh when people of different races on like a baseball team Mm -hmm. are like really good friends you're like how does it even work you don't even speak english like how how are you guys even buddies but they're like best friends yep yeah yep so uh Mm. currently sitting at 68.2 percent approval rating which is you know higher than i thought yeah hmm. yeah i don't know i would disagree with this one and we're not for you know i need randy to to say something i or mm. you know it's not like my one vote is gonna shift mm. like, the other oh i'm sorry i i was watching a basketball highlight and someone just got dunked on <laughs> um sorry but um also family chaining uh i i got to add in like 12 12 family members oh. that that are, that are uh, not going to be approved of <laughs> 12 guthries so 12 guthries including uh let's go through some of these names of guthries and you 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 stop me when you hear a black guthrie Let is there gonna be a mm-hmm. guthrie who's got two first names uh, yeah stop stop me when you hear black guthrie all right uh let's go josiah no thomas uh, okay lucinda lucinda guthrie okay no that could be okay lucas okay page no jay Okay. Well, yeah. Melody. Okay. Jebediah. There's a Josiah and a Jebediah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Joel. Lewis. Okay. Elizabeth. And Sissy. Sissy Guthrie. <sighs> I'm not gonna lie. Some of those could go both ways. Some yes, of those could go only both because ways. Southern. yeah like i actually do know a black guy named josiah so that actually 
Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it actually could work, but yeah. It's I just the think other... the, to- the totality of the Guthrie uh, milieu right. is just, uh, it's, it's a rough, it's rough. Yeah. You got to really commit to the bit if you want to convince me that uh, the Black Guthrie, they're the one Black family of coal miners uh, in, in Kentucky, and right. they had to endure, um, which again, Another problem with this is that there's the whole issue of the fact that like only four of the Guthries are mutants, but like the other Guthries feel left out of like of being the kids. I mean, like the the, the siblings. So they like try to get mutant powers so they can be like their their siblings. Which again, black person, it's like oh. Am I signing up for more marginalization? Is this, <laughs> this is a thing? Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I think that I think Sam Guthrie is inherently white. I think we found one of the few characters yeah. where whiteness is pretty integral to the character. I would concur here. Um, so let's go, you know, Lucas Bishop. Uh, like I said generally technically speaking he is supposed to be aboriginal uh two uh aboriginal parents who moved to uh you know he's in the future you know so he moves to the united states um they died of course because this was a uh, mutant and all that stuff but um you know most people think bishop's black black delegation probably could have drafted him and people would have been like yeah that sounds about right <laughs> the, yeah. most, the most racial delegation was like, "Ah, oh, we got you, we got you. Keep the keep the Aboriginal, add a little black. Everybody's happy." Honestly, I thought that's what he already was. Like, I I'm not even no. gonna lie. And uh, currently sitting at 100 approval rating, which feels about right. Feels about right. That's. I mean, honestly, I'm really I I voted for it because I thought, oh, that's a defensive pick. So, so I'm, I'm a liar. Is what I'm no, saying. No, no. I mean, look, <laughs> it feels it feels defensive. Yeah, and in a way, it kind of is because it, it it acknowledges both parts of the, it acknowledges both parts of the 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 narrative, the narrative of like black people feeling like he's one of ours, and people who are like you know, hardcore canon people be like nah, but well actually. right despite the fact that the artist had no idea of how to depict uh aboriginal people you know like he gave him a fucking jerry curl (laughs) i've said this before when i you know last season when i was a kid i was like oh barry white would clearly play bishop in an x-men movie yeah sure you're right (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's a he's a black guy in the movies right yeah at least in one movie yeah omar Sy yeah yeah so i mean again it i'm here for it let both groups be happy with uh with lucas bishop moving on to the native american delegation this is another one where i wish toriana was here (laughs) uh teddy altman doric val aka hulkling now obviously this is a situation where uh given hulkling's origin the fact that he's an alien and he's a shapeshifter 
he really could be anything. Sure. That is a, he could be, that is literally, he could be anything situation. Um, He could be raised by a Native American family uh, anywhere in the world because he is in fact a Skrull Cree hybrid who's green skin. So, yeah, I mean, it could happen. But I'm just curious, like, is there a, like a, an element, anything culturally that, uh, that Native American Teddy Altman is bringing to the table? Or is he just, you know, just looks different? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the running theme. What is it about this character? Why this character? Why now? Why didn't you draft this character in the, in the main draft? Like, what is it? What speaks yeah. to you about this character? Yeah. And again, it's not net. I mean, this is one of those situations where it's like he could be anybody. So this I'm perfectly this is again, because let's be honest, the 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 main defining characteristic of Hulkling in terms of like what makes him like what gives him a lot of his appeal is that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so as long as you don't take that away from him, like you're right. all good. You're all good. You know, I mean, obviously he's like a good looking, like kind of husky dude. Like, you know, you want to like, you know, bring those other characteristics to the, to the table, but like none of the, none of those other things are inherently white, you know? So like, he doesn't have to be white, but he also like, there's nothing that I can point to, to make him like, oh yeah, I native American. I can see that. Correct. Yeah. But yeah. there's, there might be some aspect of the story that, that, speaks to a native american experience i don't see it mm, i mean the cree and the skull and the scrolls are pretty heavy into colonizing right <laughs> he is an emperor he is the current emperor of the combined cree skull empire yes um, definitely not informed by his life experience as a colonized person. Um, right. But not saying he, you know, he, that's just, that's just his own cross to bear. <laughs> just... right. And he does famously cry whenever he sees litter on the street. <laughs> so maybe it's that. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, oh, poor Hulkling. That like, I've never loved the name Hulkling. Like I love that there was a panel of like him meeting actual Hulk, and like and and like uh, banners just basically like so. You're you're not Gamma involved at all, right? You're just like you know, no, just a scroll. Okay, uh, you you promise you'll never get involved with Gamma, like <laughs> in the future. All right, cool. My work is done here. <laughs> just... I mean, and now if they ever bring Hulkling to the MCU. He has to be Gamma, right? Like that's that's what they did with Miss Marvel. Right? <laughs> no, you know what would be even funnier if he was like in a fraternity and he like pledged Gamma. Yeah, <laughs> there was like a, a miscommunication. They were like the Gamma, Gamma, Gammas. It's like no, 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 no. I'm just just that's my frat. I'm just Gamma. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, cool. Got it. Got, got it. it. Got it. You know, miscommunication. Ah. <laughs> uh, Another 100% approval, the South Asian Zandra Naramani um, from the Shar Empire. 
And that's, uh, you know, mostly because the Shar are brown. I don't know if you noticed that. They're generally brown. <laughs> and uh, I mean, my to my American ears, Naramani sounds like uh, it could be, could be a South Asian name. I agree. I agree. So I am. Or maybe we're both ignorant AF. <laughs> ignorant AF. We'll find out. <laughs> but uh, sorry. It's just like when I thought um, guy who plays Flash Thompson was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Revolori. Yeah. Revolori. I was like, that's not a. No, I mean, who knew you could just uh, you know, swoop in? But technically, I mean, we know this, right? We know that like Italians in South America is okay, sure, you know. Um, but he definitely has played South Asians at least once. Is that cor- is that right? In oh, the like- Grand Budapest Motel. Oh yeah, 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 Hotel. yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that he was in that movie and it was cast, I was like, oh, look at them. He's like uh, a bellhop, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, look at them, South Asian, uh, South Asian actor. It's like, no, we gotcha. We gotcha. <laughs> Fake out. He probably lied. He's like, uh, Revolori? No, no, not Revolori. Revomani. Sony <laughs> 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 Revomani. Um, Anyway, uh, I have to put up. I will have to put up an approval poll for for Red Dagger, uh, remaining South Asian, forthcoming. Hopefully, you guys do the right thing and approve. Um, I think we proved last episode that Red Dagger's it's it's pretty important that Red Dagger be <laughs> Pakistani. I agree. Um, Seventy six approval rating for multiracial Norman Osborne. I don't know, guys. Like, so I listen to um, you guys. You're you're a ringer verse listener or whatever. Sure. Um, so like, I listen to the rewatchables episode for um, for Spider Man for Spider Man, <laughs> and they were talking about how like you know they they really needed black they really needed the black Osbournes for the waves, and they but it's like you know I feel like the multiracial Osbournes are even like like or even cooler you know in that respect because they still have like the privilege but they you know have the melanin right and and they can like you know talk their shit <laughs> it's like, it was like yeah, it was like you know look look peter i mean she she, she went to me and she'll never go back <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> plus like you know john carlo's been my my fan cast for for Norman Osborne for you know for for many years now like it's just yeah I mean he's so. he's kind of the perfect choice for many yeah he's from new Canada. he's from new york you know he's you've seen we've definitely seen him in at his most charismatic you know in terms of like bringing the goblin but then you can also see him as like ultra sinister as the businessman i mean that's that's like right in john Carlos wheelhouse like he's mm-hmm he's he's all there like but 76 percent, so not enough not enough approval for the points i feel like if i was using john carlo esposito in a in a goblin story in a norman osborne story i would make it so that you're assuming he's the goblin the whole time <laughs> and then it's just harry it's not it's not him at the end but just because 
when you watch when you watch Giancarlo Esposito, it's like, oh, that's the villain. Clearly, he's the bad guy. I mean, so, that is the downside. The downside right. is that there's no like there's no hiding the fact that he's the villain. Right. Right. That yeah, you couldn't you couldn't play that game. Oh my god, how did I? You know, no, it's like no. Yeah, exactly. First first scene, he's just right there. Like he takes off the mask and it's like, yeah, it's me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, that's how. Like, but I mean, you know, unfortunately, probably not going to get it because uh, more they established in No Way Home that there's no Norman Osborn in the MCU. At Actually, the very least, there's no Oscorp in the MCU. Fair, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There was there was a um an animated series, Spectacular Spider-Man, that ran mm-hmm. on Disney XD back in the day, which was mm-hmm. my favorite. It's my favorite animated Spider-Man for sure. Um, series at least. Um, and I I want to say that that's actually what the season was. It was like he would fight the goblin, and the whole time you're like Norman Osborn is like the head of all of the villains come from Oscorp, yes. right? <laughs> and and you're like, okay, so Norman Osborn is clearly the goblin. And then at the end, it was Harry. I believe, I think that's the finale is mm-hmm. Harry Osborn being the goblin. And then the show got canceled and that was like the cliffhanger or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that I think that's a good story. Like where you think the whole time you're thinking that it's Norman because that's what we know. Norman Osborn is the goblin. No, but Harry becomes the goblin too. I mean, I like, sure. one thing that I like about, one thing I like about Harry as the goblin is that like he that's the like the necessary um payoff of years of Norman basically being like you're just not mad like you know you're not good enough to live like to walk in my shoes like you can't you know and he's just like he has to become on a certain level like he has to become the goblin in order to earn his father's respect even though his father's dead in his mind you know it's like it's it that's that's part of like the tragedy of harry osborne that is that he's really not built for it but but he feels like he has to go extra hard to live up to his father's legacy as a super villain (laughs) and in the raimi verse the the real tragedy is the butler knew all along (laughs) goddamn thing until it was way too late yeah he's like oh wait should i have told you (laughs) <laughs> i've told you the spider-man did not kill your dad my bad <laughs> all right uh another defensive pick kingo from the eternals is this Probably. a defensive pick prior to the movie eternals N- no because kingo okay. was uh east asian in the comics okay yeah i was but, I'm uh, unfamiliar with the eternals yeah but uh but yes, uh, what's his name? Um, Camille. Camille. Camille Nanjani uh, did his thing like to the point that people really want to see him um, in other things. You, heard, you guys heard about the, um, the rumor that he would have been in Moon Knight if they could afford it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of where, where I'd like to see Kamal, um show up again. I want him in something where he can be funny because mm-hmm. he's very funny. And in Eternals, what he talks about, like Thor used to look up to him and now he won't return mm-hmm. his phone calls. Like, yeah. oh, I would love to see Thor, 
you know, kind of fanboy over Kingo. I think that'd be amazing. Or like, yeah, just, just like pop up somewhere and um, and do some cool stuff and then go away. Like, apparently there's a, there's some Kingo posters in the um, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, like from okay. his Bollywood movies. Okay. But yeah, that, that could oh, be fun. Maybe um, Ms. Marvel? Uh, Kamala Khan's families are are fans of the Bollywood. Stuff. Maybe, maybe you could see that. Sure, or I could at least see her her reference it. Sure, you know, like you know, I mean, obviously, India and Pakistan are not the same. You know, Absolutely, but like right. you know, but at the same time, like I could definitely see um, people being aware of it. Right. Yeah. And you know, being like, yeah, you know, I know Kingo. He's a did you know he's an eternal? <laughs> you know what's funny is uh funny in in uh in Chicago, we have very segregated neighborhoods as many major what? cities. Yeah, <laughs> right. But like, you know, in the Indian neighborhood and the Pakistani neighborhood right next to each other. Like, oh yeah, it's like you could have chosen anywhere, of course, now that the fact is they could not have chosen no no no, no. But, but by you you mean the white people who redline <laughs> right, right is what you're yeah. saying like yeah yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you could have redlined them into any place but you you chose to redline them so that they can replicate their exact uh border <laughs> dispute uh in the city of chicago right, right. Exactly. you know um all this was a prelude to the fact that currently sin got 100 approval rating um, but there's still time uh, speaking of 100% approval rating, if it holds the white delegation and Bonesaw McGraw. It's perfection. I agree. Bonesaw's ready. <laughs> I've got you for three minutes. Three <laughs> minutes of play time. <laughs> um, not getting the approval points, though. 84% approval rating for Black Black Bolt. Um I mean, again, I feel like that that was within within the capabilities of the black delegation. They could have got like Barry White as Black Bolt, you know. Like, <laughs> like I just think the idea of like a black guy who doesn't talk in movie theaters. They were just like, it's <laughs> not. You lost me. I don't believe it. Oh man, like I, I mean, I think we mentioned this last. I think we mentioned this last week, but like you know. All you got to do is let's talk about how the fact that black people are inhuman and like you get a whole bunch of people who want to strongly approve that statement. So he has to sit in the front row so that if he speaks, <laughs> he doesn't kill anyone. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Black, black bolt. Um, 100% approval rating for the monkey prince, which again, defensive pick culturally resonant right on point correct yeah gotta 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 give the east southeast asian delegation their flowers for the monkey prince honestly that was a pick that maybe should have been made by the main roster because that little book that he's got going <laughs> he scores man yeah you know i mean that's 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 sometimes the strategy doesn't always doesn't always uh, play out. Um, speaking of an East Asian character, 
but an East Asian character that's not staying with the delegation. Armor, Polynesian armor. I mean, I do know that there are Japanese people in the Polynesian islands. Sure. So, you know, it's not too much of a, of a stretch. But, you know, but, you know, it kind of hurts, kind of hurts if you're East Southeast Asian delegation. There aren't too many Asian X-Men. But then again, there aren't too many Polynesian X-Men. So, so nope. there you go. Yeah. So currently sitting at 100% approval rating with a few days left. We'll see how it plays out. I think the first time I saw Armor was in that X-Men uh, anime. I was not familiar with the character before that. And I was like, that is a cool power. Yeah, it is a cool power. And that's, and that's weirdly enough, that's the kind of power that uh, with CGI, it, it's, not, it's not too challenging. Not too challenging for, you don't have to worry about uh, Marvel changing the powers and certain people having to defend it. Um, <laughs> Correct. Now that's a cool power. I like that one. That would be a good video game power as well. Like it's oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like that. That's a character who should be all over the place. And um, currently scrolling through all of the various Guthries, um, who are who are all getting approved, all getting sorry, are all getting disapproved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Guthries. I'm. I don't believe you. You need more people. <laughs> I'm gonna family chain Jessica Cruz to see Penelope Cruz, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. Um, right, right, right. Uh, cruise control. Um, Correct. You got it. Are there any football players named Cruz? Uh, Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz. There you go. I don't have any more cruise jokes. Um, hold on i'm sure there's one there uh what's the um carnival cruise carnival yeah, nice carnival cruise um crew love crew love from, uh, <laughs> two live cruise two, um, yeah exactly <laughs> <Terry> cruise <laughs> uh sunday sunday afternoon cruise uh yes um Obviously, D'Angelo cruising. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, and the final pick we talked about before, uh, Adriana Tomas, who you will see, who you have seen, uh, you know, also known as Zari on the Legends of Tomorrow series. Uh, you will also see her in the Black Adam movie um, playing Adriana Tomas, uh, the wife slash love interest of Black Adam. Uh, she too uh, can acquire the powers of a, of a god, uh, unfortunately named Isis. <laughs> they should but, change uh, that to Isil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, doing, they're doing what they can to not bring that up. Um, but Listen, not too many characters in you know in comic books that are uh, Swana, and you know it's good on good on them. And obviously, via not I can't remember. You were a watcher of the DC of the DC shows on the CW. Uh, mostly, I was a watcher of Flash. Okay. Yeah. 
so mild familiarity with the rest of it so yeah so she has a brother who is not in the comics but a pretty cool character actually better odd um you know who's kind of like a stoner slash computer guy um and um you know pretty popular okay. unfortunately fortunately the show has been canceled so we won't see him again but maybe maybe we'll find a way to bring barad into the comics is so here's the round they got uh yeah uh-oh actress named sarah shahi to play sarah shahi is, is Can you hear me? yeah yeah okay. sarah shahi is is going to be playing adriano tomas in the movies okay yeah cool. so uh big fan of sarah shahi yeah me too <laughs> so uh quick roundup of some some characters in there uh, 67 approval rating for harry osborne multiracial 70 percent approval rating for black maximus 63 percent approval rating for black bolt black ahura boltagon that is black bolt's son 57 percent approval rating for black karnak 100 percent approval rating for black triton so the fish guy okay got, the fish guy got approval um, let me go ahead and give him his points. Triton. It's Triton. Because he's black. <laughs> Triton yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, Trishon. Um, Sean? <laughs> uh, 88% approval rating for Black Gorgon. Um, so not quite. And I think we're, I think we've passed the portion of the approvals. Let me scroll through, scroll, 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 not to be confused with the scrolls. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go, Barad. So yeah, you know, we'll find out next week whether he holds up his 100% approval rating, um, Barad Tarazi. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's our right. that's our week of draft picks. Uh, we're gonna kick off a whole new week of supplemental draft picks. Uh, by the time, probably, by the time you hear this podcast, listeners, um, Carlos, let people know where they can find you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Carlos Freites Jr. And uh, you can find me at MTFIII on twitter um and yeah don't find me anywhere else you can find the <laughs> racial draft though at racial draft pod on twitter at racial dot draft on instagram and at racial draft on facebook uh yeah, the stuff is still happening on facebook guys um <laughs> if you are part of a delegation and you'd like to like you know get your delegates to uh maybe make some supplemental picks Go ahead and tag Racial Draft, uh, either the hashtag or the Racial Draft pod on Twitter and with your suggestions and see whether these delegates will, will, will hear you out. Um, you know, we're always looking to expand the community. We're always looking to give uh, people voices, particularly from the marginalized communities to, you know, with regard to comic book characters and superheroes and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, we went a little long today, but we had a lot of geek news. Uh, it's a big time era. I mean, Comic-Con season is almost upon us. There's going to be news dropping all over the place. Uh, we're still, 
you know, by this time next week, we will have seen the new Love and Thunder trailer. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that next week. So uh, go ahead and join us for that. Uh, go ahead and follow us and, you know, take part in our, in our discussions. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. We love that. We love getting more listeners. Um, but uh, don't have that much to add. So I'm going to say until next time, guys, all things are possible. Thank you.